Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 159. Our guest today is Dominic Rinaldi, the owner and managing partner of Sun Acquisitions, a Chicago-based mergers and acquisitions firm. Dominic specializes in helping the owners of privately held companies with enterprise values between two and $30 million scale, acquire, and sell businesses. He's also a speaker, author, and host of the M&A Unplugged podcast. Good morning, Dominic. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Dominic, you know, it's so timely to have you on our show right now as we are all staring into this uncertainty of what's happening around the world with this global pandemic. And you know, Dominic, this is a time of just real uncertainty for business owners. What are the challenges and maybe opportunities that you think we might see in the M&A space? So let me first start off with, you know, this is a very uncertain time. Business owners, some are really reeling and trying to keep their businesses afloat. And M&A is a distant thought for a lot of them, and rightfully so. There are also going to be some businesses, and some of our clients are experiencing this, that are going to do very well in this environment where their goods or services are actually in more demand, and those businesses are going to probably struggle to even keep up with the demand that they're seeing. And so we're probably going to see a bit of both of that. From an M&A perspective, you know, two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought that this environment was going to replicate 2008 a great recession, but sitting here today, it's starting to look like that. And the lessons learned from that experience were that people still buy and sell businesses, probably more because they have to than because they want to. Uh, and what do I mean by have to? You know, some owners are going to wind up with severely distressed businesses. They're going to have a hard time raising the capital they need to keep going. And they're going to be looking for a lifeline. And sometimes that lifeline is a, a merger or an acquisition. Some owners are going to be faced with some illnesses that prevent them from running their businesses. And that will still happen during this period of time. So you're going to still wind up with M&A activity. And uh, the hope is that you can keep your business afloat and as strong as possible so that you can find a viable suitor for that business, uh, can then you know take it over and stabilize it and get it through this, which my guess is, you know, we're going to get past this. You're already seeing China get past it. So we'll get past it. It's just how much damage is done in this interim period. Yeah. And that's really hard to gauge, right? Because so many of us are operating service-based businesses and there's just this ripple effect that happens when people stop consuming. Absolutely. That, you see that everywhere along the supply chain, and some are going to be severely hurt. And like I said, some are going to be the benefactors of it because their services and products are going to be in more demand. 
Well, you know, let's back out a little bit and just talk about, you know, even in a normal environment, what are the best ways that people can prepare a business for sale? And how does having that sort of a mindset help you, even if you don't necessarily want to sell your business today? Yeah, so today is a great lesson, right, in always being prepared to sell your business because the date that you have to sell your business may come at your choosing and it might come at a date that you didn't choose. And so always being prepared from my perspective makes a lot of sense. So when I talk to owners, hopefully well in advance of that date coming up, I I talk about three legs of a stool. And the first leg of the stool is being personally ready from a financial perspective. So do you have enough money put aside? Is your estate in order? Is there a succession plan for the business? So really understanding from a personal perspective what you need in order to walk away from the business. And walk away could mean you're going to retire, you want to go into a new venture, you're going to pursue other interests, whatever that is, but understanding your personal needs and whether or not they're met and having your house in order. The second leg of the stool is your business. Having your business in order And what I mean by that is, is the business valued at a number that will allow you to walk away and meet your first criteria, which was, you know, your personal needs. And then there are other things that go into the business, something we call key value drivers. What are those key metrics of your business and how strong are they? So for example, if you're the owner of the business, are you the business day in and day out, or does the business operate without you? That's one really key value driver. And the less you are of that business, the more valuable your business is. Client concentrations is another example. Do you have one or two clients that represent 30, 40, 50% of your business, or does no one client represent more than 5% of the revenues of the business? As you can imagine, the less the concentration, the more valuable your business. And there's probably 10 or 12 of those value drivers that we go through with our clients to help them understand the health of their business. So first personal, second business. And then the third leg of that stool is your emotional readiness. Are you really emotionally ready to walk away from the business? When I meet with clients, I know they're emotionally ready when they start talking to me about their plans post-sale, and they're excited about those plans, whether they are to go start this new business or maybe retire to their ranch or wherever it is, and they can envision their life post-sale. When I hear those sorts of things, I know somebody is emotionally ready. When somebody tells me they don't know what they'll do after the sale, high likelihood that person is going to have some remorse about selling their business, even if they got the financial number they were looking for because they really didn't have a post-sale plan. So those are really the three legs of the stool that we talk to folks about and drill down on to see, are they really ready? And if they're not, if their plan is 10 years out, at least they have the roadmap to get their business and their personal situation in a place where they can be ready to pull the trigger at any time. Yeah. And there's going to be these macroeconomic drivers that are going to change, right? So if you're able to construct your business in a way that maximizes those value drivers, 
now you can be opportunistic. So when the market's in a good place or there's increased forecast of demand for exactly the thing that you supply, you know, you might have an opportunity to get a higher value than you would at other times. Absolutely. And you also might become a buyer. We were on the phone yesterday with a prospective client who has kept a very healthy balance sheet. And they reached out to us and said, you know, we see this as an opportunity to maybe pick up some good assets. There might be some people that don't have the balance sheet that we have and might need a lifeline. And we'd see that as an opportunity to partner with them or acquire them or merge. And so, you know, they're looking to, you know, retain us to go out and do some of that. So these are difficult times, but these can also be times where there's lots of good opportunities out there as well. And can we talk about a little bit about terminology? So I know when we talk about mergers and acquisitions, M&A, and we talk about that kind of activity, often when we're valuing assets, we talk about multiples. Give us a little crash course on multiples and and what's a good way to think about that as it relates to the business. Yeah. So at its simplest form, and this really is simple because there are other methodologies, but at its simplest form, you would look at your business and normalize the EBITDA of the business. So we call it adjusted EBITDA to come up with the true adjusted EBITDA that a new owner would realize after taking over a business. And so why do I say adjusted? I say adjusted because there might be one-time expenses that you incurred in the business that the new owners won't have. You can take that one-time expense out and that will increase the cash flows of the business. And so then once you get that true normalized adjusted EBITDA number, then you apply a multiple to it, which allows you to get to value. So If very simplistically, your business cash flows a million dollars, you could apply a multiple to that million dollars and that will allow you to arrive at the value. Now, this is very high level. This is very simplistic. But at the end of the day, that's what it would look like. And multiples depend on some of the things that I talked about earlier in regards to your business and those value drivers. The stronger your value drivers, the higher your multiple. The weaker those value drivers, the lower your multiple. And so be careful to not fall into the trap of hearing a buddy who sold a manufacturing business and got X multiple when you run a distribution business, even though your revenues might be the same and your adjusted EBITDA might be the same, the multiples could be completely different. And even within the same industry, they could be completely different depending on how you run the business. Yeah, and that makes me think about, you know, you, when you mentioned with value drivers, one of the things you talked about right out of the gate was how involved are you in the day-to-day of the business, right? So most owners are taking some W-2 income. And if you're taking W-2 income, but you're not actually involved in the day-to-day operations, doesn't that potentially become an add back for an owner's salary? Yeah. So if I'm taking a hundred thousand out as a W2 income from my business, but I've, I've set the business up in such a way that I'm not really involved in the day-to-day operations. Isn't that a potential value that goes directly to the buyer? Potentially. Yes. And I say potentially because depends on how that new owner is going to run the business, right? If they're going to hire somebody to come in and oversee the business, then no, 
But if they're going to run it, then potentially yes. So it, it comes back to who's the prospective buyer of that business. Is it a company? Is it an individual? Are they going to hire somebody? Can they do it without hiring somebody? In most cases, I would agree with your assessment that you're going to take that salary and add it to adjusted EBITDA to increase the number. Dominic, I look upon these very much like the real estate industry and the old curb appeal and all of the elements of real estate come into this in different flavors, but very similar. And so I was curious from the standpoint of you've dealt with hundreds of businesses and sales in multiple industries, which is impressive, the list. When it comes down to what common things are you seeing as being huge stumbling blocks that need to be addressed first for a client who is interested in possibly selling their business? You know, huge stumbling blocks are usually related to how the business is being operated, right? And what value they need to get out of the business. So if they need, you know, a certain number that is completely disconnected from the value of their business, either they have to recalibrate their post-sale expectations, or they have to double down on the business and get it to start growing to a point where they can pull out what they need. So that's usually the first stumbling block is there's a complete disconnect on what the business is worth and whether or not it can meet the expectations of the owner. And this points to the fact that don't wait until you're ready to sell the business to start doing some of this work. Do it well in advance. Understand the value of your business. Understand what are the levers that drive value so that as you're running it, you can pull those levers or, or pull back on them if you, if you need to, depending on what's happening. So critical. You know, just like you go to the doctor for a regular checkup, I don't think you need to do it every year, but every couple of years is a great idea to check what the value of the business is because things change. Within an industry, they change. Multiples change depending on the capital markets. So really important to do that. The other stumbling blocks relate then back to the business. Financials are usually a pretty big stumbling block. How the owner is managing the financials of the business. Do they accurately reflect what the business is doing day in and day out? Does the income statement, is that a true depiction of the business? And the balance sheet, are you really managing the balance sheet? You know, I'll give you an example. I I looked at a business the other day, and it's a business that does probably five, six million dollars of annual revenues, and their balance sheet had almost no receivables. I mean, it was nearly zero. Well, somebody's not managing the financials to gap because there's no way their receivables are zero. We know they're not. And so it's those sorts of things that it seems very simple, but you'd be surprised how often we come across owners who are just not managing their financials accurately. So I'd say those are by far the two biggest stumbling blocks that we see. I appreciate that. Well, on the other side, looking at it from a buyer standpoint, the last few months I've come across a large quantity of buyers that are sitting on the sidelines. There's a lot of a lot of money on the sidelines in the market, since the market is not exactly exciting. There's opportunity amongst the acquisition side, 
And what's your thoughts about what you're looking for and how does a buyer perceive today's market versus two months ago? Well, you're going to have to proceed very cautiously at the moment, right? Here we are sitting, it's March 19th, we're in the middle of this COVID crisis. And so if I'm a buyer, I'm being very cautious. You have to look at each individual business and try to understand how are they going to manage through this crisis? As we talked earlier, some are going to really be impacted. Some businesses are going to do better than before. And so you need to understand what's going to happen here. The other big thing that you need to be looking at are the capital markets. Are the banks still open to lending? Because even though there's a lot of money sitting out there on the balance sheets of strategic companies, you know, and private equity had raised a trillion and a half dollars to go make acquisitions. So there's a lot of money out there. But despite all that money, everybody's looking to lever up their acquisitions with debt. And so you have to look to the banks and see what the banks are going to be doing here. I just had an interview yesterday. And if anybody's interested, they can see it on my LinkedIn profile with the head of Busey Bank's SBA program. And as of right now, Busey and all of the other SBA lenders that we work with, and we have about 18 in our portfolio, are open for business. They're being cautious and they're being opportunistic, but they're open for business. They're still doing acquisition loans. They're trying to figure out how to help their existing clients with working capital lines if they need them. So we haven't seen the capital markets pull back yet, which is great. Now, that could change if this crisis continues and things worsen. But as of right now, there's still money that's out there and the banks are looking to put it to work, which is great. In fact, our firm has eight deals in diligence. I think we have one that's probably in jeopardy of not moving forward, but the others are continuing to move forward. In every case, there's a bank that's going to be lending into those transactions. Dominic, in what ways do uh, firms like yours really help to add value to the transaction? So the first thing is, it's all the upfront work. We're hoping that people call us well in advance of a potential exit or a potential acquisition so that we can work with them to make sure that they're set up to maximize the value of their sale. And if you're looking to acquire, you know, maximize your ROI and minimize your risks. And so we really could do a very good job of working with people well in advance of those events to help them get set up. Once they decide they want to acquire a business or sell their business, our firm in Chicago has been doing this for 20 years. We're just shy of 400 transactions across all industries. I have 15 people that are all skilled. And I'd say our biggest asset is our people, our process, and our marketing reach. We have built marketing relationships and a database of prospective buyers and sellers so that anytime somebody comes to us, whether they're looking to buy or sell, we can really create a very strong market for them given our marketing reach. And so we couldn't have gotten through 20 years with the ups and downs that we've experienced without having those three things that underpin as a foundation for our firm. And you know, a lot of times there can be a bias towards hiring a broker. Um, and, and I think a lot of that comes from where people don't recognize the value that can be added 
And I think it also becomes from the fear of the unknown, right? So maybe you can help us understand in the marketplace what brokers charge and generally speaking and how they really think about, uh, you know, does it vary by the size of the acquisition or the size of the business? Is it generally a percentage? Is it different on the buy or sell side? Yeah. So as you can imagine, the pricing is all over the map. But as a guideline, what a buyer or a seller should expect if they're retaining an intermediary to help them go out and and get a transaction done is you're going to probably have some upfront fee or some retainer with the lion's share of the commission coming on the back end when a transaction is completed. Our firm, actually, if we collect an upfront fee uh, or a retainer, we're usually rebating that back at the closing table and deducting it from our commission. But those are really the two elements of what you should expect from an intermediary. And as far as the pricing goes, it's literally all over the map. Size of the transaction really does matter as far as the percentage of commission that you're going to pay. And you know, the larger the deal, the lower the percentage, obviously. And is it similar to like what I might pay a broker for a house, like a real estate agent? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, You're going to pay a much higher percentage on the business, especially on the lower end of transactions. You're probably going to be in the 10 or 12% range with some firms that are out there. If when you say lower end, is that for like a million dollar business or probably million dollar business up to, you know, maybe a $2 million business. And then as it gets higher, the fees should go down from there. And then really, our largest deals will probably be below a real estate commission. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's sliding scale and it moves down as the deal gets larger. That's painful for a business owner to think about, you know, if they just have a business that's going to transact for a million dollars or less, and they're going to peel a you know, 10, 12% or more off the top, that, that can be a tough nut to swallow. Potentially. The comparison, though, to real estate is not a good one because other than maybe the concept of having buyers and sellers, the process of selling a business is so much more technical and so much more involved with many more hurdles to overcome along the way. And those engagements can easily be six to 12 months It is a very, very different process. And if you're hiring a reputable firm that's got a great track record, there are almost no clients that get through the process. At the end of the day, they usually say, I can't believe how intrusive and how detailed and how comprehensive this process was, because it really is. So Dominic, in this environment that we've got going with COVID and the stress that it can put on a business that for whatever reason may need to go through a sale process, but the owner is not totally clear where they're at in the value of their business, what can you do there? What types of things are available? Yeah, so we always recommend, and actually before we'll ever take a client engagement on, we recommend an analysis And our approach to that analysis is pretty comprehensive. And what I mean by that is it goes way beyond just giving the owner the value of their business. So we will work with them to normalize the financials so we can get to that adjusted EBITDA number that we talked about earlier. We will research the market to see what comparable transactions have sold for. 
So let's say that you run a HVAC business, heating, ventilation, air conditioning business. We're going to pull comps through some proprietary databases and our own sales that we've completed to see what the value ranges are looking like for those businesses. We will put the owner through a pretty comprehensive questionnaire so that we can understand their value drivers. I hinted to that earlier. And like I said, they're about 10 to 12. So we can score the business on those value drivers and we can see where the owner can improve value or where they're doing really well. So they decide not to sell today. They know where the gaps in value are and how to improve them. We'll then put the proper multiple to that adjusted EBITDA with all of that data and come up with the value. And the last step we take, which is critically important, is we actually, working with the 18 banks in our portfolio, we'll confidentially take that business with the opinion of value that we've put on it to one or two of those banks, and we'll ask them to let us know if they would lend to a qualified buyer at the value that we've come up with. And why that's so important is it's one thing to have the value of your business. It's completely different situation to know that the value is also backed up by a bank that's willing to lend against it. Because if you have that, then you're going to walk away at the closing table with the lion's share of your proceeds. If you don't have that, then Buyers look for owners to carry a good portion of the sale price in something called a seller note, where they would get paid that portion of the business over a period of time, which is usually never a good outcome for the owner. So we take that additional step. We get something we call a prequal from the banks. And now we have the whole package. We put that together and we do a presentation to the owner. So they really have a roadmap. And as you can imagine, some are satisfied with that and ready to go to market today. And others then have the plan or at least the plan to execute against if they decide where they can increase the value of their business over time. Well, Dominic, it's been wonderful having you today. Thank you for sharing so much time with us. Shai and Craig, thank you so much for having me. Really pleasure, especially under these circumstances and wishing everybody out there health and safety and we'll get through this and looking forward to coming out the other side. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? You know, so if any of your listeners would like to get a hold of me, they can reach me at drinaldi, that's R-I-N-A-L-D-I at sunacquisitions.com. And I would also mention we are launching a new business. The website will be live right after April 1st. I'm probably going to say April 2nd. And there are some free assessments on that website. So if anybody wants to visit it and take those assessments, please feel free. The website address is k2advisor.com. And advisor is a-d-v-i-s-e-r.com. And if you go, there's a tab labeled exit. That's for any owner that may be looking to exit their business. They scroll to the bottom. There's an assessment there. It takes five minutes. There's 20 questions. They'll get a score that will tell them how ready they are to really exit the business or if there's additional work to be done. And then there's another assessment for potential buyers. That tab is called acquire 
Again, go down to the bottom. You'll see the assessment. Sign up. Again, five minutes, very quick, and you'll get a score. And those scores are between zero and 100. We weight the questions, and you'll really understand you know, how ready you are to either exit your business or sell your business. And again, that should be up, uh, I'm hoping, by April 2nd. Our guest today has been Dominic Rinaldi, the owner and managing partner of Sun Acquisitions. You can learn more about Dominic and check out the free assessments and tools in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.